Pour yourself a sweet tea, pull up a lawn chair, and turn the page with us. You're listening to Right on Mississippi, a podcast taking you inside the minds of America's most treasured wordsmiths. I'm Ebony Lamumba, and Right on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's Literary Lawn Party. This is Sarah Story. I'm the executive director of the Mississippi Arts Commission. And today we are live from the Mississippi Book Festival in downtown Jackson. And we are joined by Olivia Claire Friedman to talk about her new book, Here Lies. Welcome, Olivia. Hi, Sarah. Thanks so much for having me. Thanks so much for being here. Is this your first um, Mississippi Book Festival? It is not. I was here in 2018, and I had just moved to Mississippi. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think the month before, and I teach at University of Southern Mississippi in Hattiesburg. And so... um, USM asked me to come and uh, uh, be involved with with some panels, and I loved it so much. And then the next year, I came in 2019, and I uh, moderated a panel on short stories, and I was eight months pregnant. Uh, I ended up, um, the festival was in August, and I had her in September, so she's almost three now. Um, And uh, yeah, so I will just always remember moderating the panel, and she she was kicking, you know, the whole time, and I told the panelists they they that she's, you know, my she's my baby is loving loving our panel, <laughs> and um, that was that was really special. So I I love this festival so much. I love being a part of it and supporting it. Um, all of the different panels, the fact that it's it's just so family friendly as well. Um, all of the you know the love of books. I mean, I was just walking around um, just now and just just re- realizing how a festival like this really reconnects you with your love of books mm. and story and nonfiction. It just it it just reconnects you with all of that being part of this. Yeah, that's so true. And there's just really so something for everybody here. Yeah, so many different genres, so many different types of authors and illustrators. Just so neat. Yes, and I and I yes, I, I, exactly. I was looking at the panels and just thinking of that, and then also seeing you know everything that's here for children, and you know all of the families you know that are here, and um, uh, from all different ages. I I just love that too. Yeah. It's great. So where are you from? Are you, you're not from here, right? No, I grew up in Baton Rouge. Not too far. No, not too far. But then I kind of lived all over, and I lived in California for a long time, and I lived um, um, in Iowa. I went to the Iowa Writers' Workshop uh, for poetry, and then I lived in California again. I lived in upstate New York a little bit, So, and I lived in Nevada, so I kind of lived all over, and then... Um, when this job came up at USM and I, I, I really wanted to be kind of near uh, Louisiana again and um, in the South again. So uh, I had never lived in Mississippi before and I'm just absolutely thrilled that I did. I love Mississippi. It's my, my new home and then I'm also close to where I grew up. But it's so funny because, you know, when I left Louisiana, when I was growing up, I, I and then when I started writing later on, I I never you know, people would tell me you should write about Louisiana and I never did, you know, and I never really wanted to. And then 
something happened. And this book is set in Louisiana. It's set in a fictional town in Louisiana. So um, I've heard that before from others that you kind of have to leave the place before you, you know, feel that you can write about it. But I will say, too, that being in Mississippi, even though the the novel takes place in a fictional town in Louisiana. So much of Mississippi is also has also influenced the book. You know, we're we're so close um, together. So so much of my living in Mississippi has influenced the book as well. That's great. Yeah, well, we're, gl- we're glad that you're here. Um, so tell us tell us about the book. So the book uh, is speculative fiction, and it takes place in 2042, in an alternate future in 2042. And the premise of the book is uh, that cremation has been mandated by the federal government due to effects of climate change. Mm. And so they're closing up cemeteries, um, trying to gain back land, and... Uh, cremation has been mandated and not only that but the ashes are then confiscated by the government so that's the the premise um, that's that's explained a bit in the book and then the focus of the book is really with Alma who's a young woman whose mother passed away recently and her mother was cremated and uh, now Alma wants to get her mother's ashes back. So she's she's on this journey of, of, of trying to do that. And along the way, she makes friends with these amazing women. And it's just about their journey together. So, you know, a lot of the book has to do with uh, grief and rituals of grief and mourning. Uh, but also it's so much about hope and, ha- and having hope kind of and what hope can look like. You know, yeah. I mean, it was such a beautiful story, and I kept I kept thinking um, that with the un, the Almas not having the right to bury her mother, there she was having trouble processing, and she just really like was very focused on getting those ashes back and getting it buried because that was just like her way that she viewed grief. And I was thinking about the pandemic and just like yes. how recent that was. Is yes. that something that influenced you? Just all the delayed or funerals that never happened yeah absolutely thanks for saying that and and it's it's so great when you hear that people have had these ideas about the book as they're reading and had that kind of intuition about Mm -hmm. it so um thank you for that yeah absolutely i wrote a lot of the book so this book has been through different drafts as Mm -hmm. often not always but often happens with novels i hear this is my first novel but um and so this 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 version of the novel, I wrote much of it uh, during the pandemic, and I al- I also wrote much of it um, at three o'clock, four o'clock in the morning mm. before my daughter woke up because I had to kind of I had to get a new rhythm in my my writing, and so kind of figuring out when I was going to get this kind of time, you know, w- um, was really important to me and. Uh, and so I'd go to bed very as early as I could and then wake up as early as I could to kind of get ahead of her, you know, mm-hmm. in the morning before she woke up. Um, but, yeah, thinking so much about public rituals of mourning, you know, I, I wrote an essay about this, too, that someone very, very close to me passed away, uh, not not from COVID, but during the pandemic. And we did not 
you know, have a funeral for her. We did not um, um, get to mourn her together as as friends. And uh, I was thinking about that so much Mm -hmm. as I was writing this book, too, what that means, what that means when you have your own mourning that you're that you have to either work with on your own or maybe you have people who are close to you, you know, who you, you can just one or two of you and you can kind of do it together. But what does it mean when you're not able? to have those those public rituals of mourning yeah it's really hard because um you but we just as a society use that as the time to take the time to grieve and cry and be with loved ones and that we just couldn't do that as well for me personally right for the people that i witnessed during covid it's hard yeah yeah and 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 you know i want to acknowledge too that for for some what's interesting is that you know, I've heard some people say, well, I didn't want that. I, I actually, you know, I wanted to mourn this person on my own. Mm-hmm. You know, like I've heard some people say that about my friend, mm-hmm. you know, who passed away, for example. So it, it's interesting, too, to kind of acknowledge all of these different responses, right. you know, um, to someone leaving that. And Alma goes through that, too, in the book. Like sometimes, you know, a, a lot of the time she's 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 grieving, not being able to grieve the way she wanted. But sometimes she's well, actually, this is such a personal, private grief for me. So, you know, so it's kind of seeing all the sides of that, um, I feel like was was part of my what I wanted to do in the book and what I'm still kind of figuring out, you know, mm-hmm. for myself as a human. Yeah, definitely. Also, there was a lot in the book having to do just with choice and yeah. a lot of human rights. And, yeah, you know, especially with uh, her friend that was pregnant and and all of that. And then the not lack of choice about death. We talk a little bit about that, especially it's very relevant today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it, you know, I, I brought this up as as a as a light touch in the book so you know if you if you blink a few times you might miss it in the book but it is it is there and the way that i decided to approach that thinking about choice when it comes to um uh uh you know our love whether it's our loved ones dying or um the point of view points of view from the different characters um when it came to you know uh one of the characters facing a decision about um you know what what she does with the pregnancy i wanted to express those points of view in the dialogue Mm -hmm. Uh, because i kept thinking how am i i want to show these different points of view um and I want and I know plot wise and character wise, I want them to kind of land. I don't want to give any spoiler alerts away, but I wanted things to kind of land, you know, where they did. Um, but I also wanted to be the book is told in first person, mm-hmm. which it wasn't originally. It was told in third. Oh, wow. And so when I found Alma's first person voice, that's when this version of the book really, really came alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. So I say that to say that there's always the tricky task then of how do I present these points of view? And so it was really kind of going through the dialogue, you know, showing that through the dialogue, what those different points of view are from the characters, how they feel about choices and these choices being taken away. Yeah, it's fascinating. Um, So 
you mentioned that this was your first your first novel. Mm-hmm. And so w- before that, were you mostly writing poetry, short stories? What was your... Yeah, I started in poetry. So my, my former poetry self would be really shocked that <laughs> we're sitting here right now. Because um, I, I, not only was I not thinking of fiction, but I wasn't thinking about a novel, wow. you know, at all, mm-hmm. writing it. I mean, re- I read them, but I wasn't thinking about writing them at all. And uh, I went to the Iowa Writers Workshop in poetry. And then I went on to get another master a diff- at another at USC in uh, fiction, and then I went on to get a, a PhD in poetry. Mm. But I but I I started writing fiction uh, in graduate when I was in graduate school for poetry. So um, so I have a book of poems, and I also have a book of short stories. And I I think for me, you know, one of the ways that that my poetry has influenced my fiction writing. I mean, of course, thinking about language, thinking about sound, thinking about syntax, um, but also I'm so image-based, you know, and I, I also, I'm image-based, but I also write so much with my ear, so I can't, for me, I can't really move from a sentence to the next until I feel like that sentence has kind of locked, mm-hmm. you know, into it. That doesn't mean that I, I don't go back and revise because I absolutely, absolutely do. Um, but, and I, and I believe in revision, but I'm not, for me, I'm not the kind of writer that writes a big draft and let's just like, we'll fix the sentences later. And I have to kind of get the sentences the way that, that I think they'll be close to, you know, close enough to what I think they'll be. Um, and I do so much of that with my ear. And so a lot of that came from poetry. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Um, so was that, uh, was that hard for you to make that switch, that jump to writing a thinking about a whole book versus yes because with poetry you know i wrote i wrote short lyric poems Mm. and so i mean i remember when i started writing short stories and i was like a thousand words (laughs) (laughs) how do you write a thousand words and then suddenly i found myself writing three thousand word stories and and i really really had to so that's what i'm saying to you i i never i never thought about a novel Mm -hmm. you know because um and it's and and this novel is is relatively short you know Mm -hmm. that i've 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 written here but um it's and so maybe my next i i I think my next novel is going to be longer too because i'm kind of ramping up um but you know obviously i link we're not saying length equals quality or anything like that but i just mean that getting the words down on the page yeah it took me a while to be able to ramp up and i truly was overwhelmed by just like a 1000 word flash fiction piece Mm -hmm. you know so i completely understand now when i have students who feel that way that's yeah yeah. so did you when you started thinking about this book what came first was it the characters was were you thinking about louisiana and the land what was like the yeah i i yeah the land the flora and Mm -hmm. fauna and of louisiana and also like i said of mississippi too i wrote much of this book in mississippi Mm -hmm. so and we have you know so much overlap with that flora and fauna but there's also and i hope this makes sense i'm going to say something kind of vague and blurry but i i think it does i think it does make sense to people who who know 
these these places so well there's there's this feeling in the air and i don't just mean the humidity but the humidity has something <laughs> to do with it but like this this humid the humid floral air and mm-hmm. you know i remember when i went to california when i moved to california the first time i came back to louisiana after that and i and i and i just felt it as soon as I got off the plane, yeah. you know, that I was back here. And again, not just mean humidity, but that too, where you're just like in the water. Um, but I just, I just, I just felt what it is to be here. And so mm-hmm. it was, and I feel that in Mississippi too. And so um, I, that, that having that, that, that atmospheric quality was really, really important to me. And what's interesting, what I've just realized as I've done more and more interviews and, and, and discussions is that um, through all through the different drafts that this book took on through its different versions, the setting never changed. The characters changed. Wow. I used to have a completely different uh, main character who is a man like in his sixties, and like I said, it was in third person, mm-hmm. and Alma was a peripheral character, and and then she ends up being now she's the main character but this the setting never changed Mm -hmm. that was always the same and so yeah it really really started there and then I also knew that I wanted to write about climate change Mm -hmm. and I knew that I wanted that to be in the backdrop of this book it really is a character driven book um, but I, I wanted climate change to be creating that kind of pressure in the book yeah I can imagine that if you grew up in Baton Rouge, you're probably familiar with a lot of hurricanes and the way land has changed. And especially in Louisiana, it's just so apparent. Can you yes. talk a little bit about that? Just like your history with it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I my first big hurricane that I remember is Hurricane Andrew mm-hmm. in Louisiana. And you know, when I, I've uh, as I've been working on this this book and and short stories, I also have short stories that deal with climate change over the years. I mean, I remember. I writing um, with her. I was living in Texas, and Hurricane Harvey was like right outside my window. You know, while I'm I'm writing this short story mm-hmm. um, about hurricanes and wow. about climate change. So, you know, one thing that that and obviously I'm 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 not a scientist. You know, I'm approaching this all from um, from a novelist point of view. But mm-hmm. but one thing that I understand that we know is that it's not necessarily the frequency of hurricanes that's that's increasing but the hurricanes are getting much stronger and so that's creating you know the 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 flooding that we're seeing um etc etc and so um i i think about that a lot because i also just i experience wise sometimes i feel like there are more you know, right. um, but it, it and 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 maybe there are from year to year to year. But I just mean that we we know that the the strength of them, from what I understand, mm-hmm. um, is is increasing. And so that's something that I I think about a lot, just going from one year to the next. You know that we're that we're in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so tell us a little bit about your experience teaching in us at. U.S. University of Southern Mississippi. Yeah. And um, how that plays in with your writing. Yeah. I teach graduate students and undergraduate students. And um, we we have a we have a Ph.D. Uh, that you can do in creative writing oh, as well. Yeah. And and, and I have a I have um, one of those Ph.D.s in creative writing. It's it's this really wonderful degree where you take literature courses, you know, with your creative writing workshops and 
And so um, I love I love teaching. I've been doing it for a long time now, too, because I did it a lot as a graduate student as well. So even before I came into this teaching position at USM, I've been doing it for a long time. And one of the things that I really like to say to my students who are starting out is, you know, before anything else, watch the world, observe the world, hone your senses try to put down your phone. I know it's hard and it's hard for me and, you know, but but try to like look up and look up at what's in front of you and then write it, you know? And that's that's kind of my first exercise that I give them too is no phones, no, you know, just look at the world around you. Give me 30 minutes and write that. And that's that's really where we begin, mm. you know, is getting them to to focus. Um, and then I'm always very self-conscious when I'm looking at my phone or something, you know, because <laughs> I, I look at my, my phone, um, you know, more more than I'd like for for, for sure. But um, that's something that we kind of we start with is, is paying attention to, to the world and then trying to write that. Yeah, that's really beautiful. I love that. What um, what books do you like to get your students to read? For what class? books do I like to get my students to read? Well, um, I love almost every semester. I go to back over and over again. Kirsten Valdez Quaid's Night at the Fiestas, a book of stories. Do you know it? It's it's so good. I've heard of it. I don't think yeah. I've read it yet though. It's I really to... really good. And um, I love teaching it at both the undergraduate and the graduate level. And then I also again and again come back to Jamel Brinkley's A Lucky Man, which is also a book of short stories. Uh, and uh, so we a lot of times. I'll start with those um, to kind of get them into the mindset of short stories. That's great. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, so, are you starting to work on your next book? Or I am. Yeah, yeah. I was up at four in the morning the oh, other day goodness. before you're <laughs> working. Yeah, I've started uh, working on the new novel. I have um, a book of stories that I'm working on. And in fact, an, an, another manuscript of linked stories that I'm working on. I have a book of poetry as well. So, um, you know, I, I was it, I think a lot, too, about motherhood and writing. And, you know, sometimes I would hear from people that uh, with with motherhood, you know, with er, these early years that I would lose some of that time um, to write, mm -hmm. you know, and I really didn't want that to happen. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to keep up my writing life, my writing. And so what actually has happened is I actually write more wow. now since I've had a child. And and I'm not saying, you know, everybody's different. And I think I have a very rebellious spirit. And part of it was just me saying, I'll show you, you know, that <laughs> <Yeah>. I <laughs> do this and I still am like that um, and I also you know I really support rest I believe in rest you know if I'm not saying anyone has to you know then kind of do do double right um, after after you've had a baby or whatever big life change you've gone through but for me it, it really helped kind of motivate me to find that time in my day where that could happen mm -hmm. and I love those hours early in the morning before everyone's up it's still dark and it, it, so having her and also you know the experience that I have with her I write about as well but having her is um somehow I've, I've been writing more. So I always want to kind of mention that, you know, mm -hmm. to people to think about whatever life change it is, right. you know, whether it's having a baby or, 
or you know you're you're going through something at home or you you, you take on a nine to five or eight to seven job or whatever it is you know that that you can find that place in your day for your creative life yeah that's so true that's great um, so what all are you doing? Are you getting to go around and promote this book? Are you getting to do a lot of that? Yeah. Yeah. So I'll do, I'm going to, I'm going to do the Eudora Welty Symposium, awesome. which I'm really excited about in Columbus. And I'm going to do the Louisiana Book Festival in, uh, in October, which is wonderful. I'm going to do some more readings in New Orleans. I did Thacker Mountain Radio so in cool. April. It was so much fun. Awesome. Um, in Oxford, Square Books, Lemuria, just all of my favorites southern bookstores i think i'll do octavia soon in new orleans mm-hmm. um i have ju- and i was just in past christiane for our um gulf coast uh kickoff event for the mm-hmm. festival which was fantastic so i have had a beautiful time just going like in the south just going a lot you know to all to towns in mississippi and louisiana um and giving readings and doing events that's so great yeah there's so many bookstores around the south have you have you been surprised by that or did i was just i've loved it i mean i'm i'm such a a fan of and friend to independent bookstores Mm -hmm. and i uh i i i love how everyone has their own kind of unique you know layout and 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 they're so they love books you know it goes back to what we were talking about with the festival they love books Mm -hmm. you know and i come in and and i read your book and you know it's it's not at all like going to you know insert chain store here right Mm -hmm. it's Mm -hmm. it's the complete opposite and you know sometimes i'll walk into a bookstore and they've all read my book you know um because they love books that's what they're doing you Mm -hmm. know when they go home and so I've I've really loved that and love that support and I I just try to support them as much as I can. Yeah, well, yeah. this book got a lot of love. Even you got a New York Times book review. So yeah, really cool. Yes, I was. I that made me so happy. I was just really, really thrilled about it. That's really neat. Were you surprised? I you know? was. Yeah, they so reviewed cool. my book of stories um, too a few years ago, and so I kind of thought, and that and that sometimes is rare because it was a full full article with the mm-hmm. the stories and so i thought well maybe i used up my uh maybe they won't do the novel since um they did the stories and then it and then my publicist told me about it in the in the times before it was coming out and then i when i finally when it came out i was just in shock it was it was really phenomenal that's yeah. so cool. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank That's awesome. you. Well, um, what are you looking to right now for inspiration for your next um, novel and stories? Oh, yeah. I'm thinking a lot about <laughs> I'm thinking a lot about uh, what the South is going to be like in, you know, in this book and kind of where where I'm setting this book. And again, the flora and fauna for that. Mm-hmm. I love writing about sisters I don't have any sisters and uh, female friendships. I just, I just do. I come back to them again and again. So this book, just like here lies my my novel. This novel, um, this new book that I'm working on has female friendships that are like they're like sisters. And so I'm just really interested in what that is, what that looks like. I think because I don't. Do you have sisters? Three. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'm the oldest of four <laughs> girls. <laughs> yep. So I think because I don't have sisters, you know, I I'm just fascinated by it. So so yeah, that's what I'm, I'm writing about. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, and yeah, but also having a daughter is making you think about yes. that too. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's really cool. Well, um, where can people find you? Website, social media? Yeah, it's uh, Olivia uh, C-L-A-R-E, Claire, uh, with, no, with no I in there, dot com. And I'm on social media and um, I've got, you know, the website up and everything. And my other books are on there, too. And I think I'm on all of the social media. And yeah, I would, I would love to reach readers that way. Awesome. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for being here. And thanks for writing this great book called Here Lies. And we're just so glad you're in Mississippi. Thank you for having me. Bright on Mississippi is produced in partnership with Mississippi Public Broadcasting for the Mississippi Book Festival, the South's literary lawn party.